the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet America. Right now, they're running a promotion where they're offering new players a risk-free bet up to $1,000. All you've got to do is register for a Bet America account and opt into the promotion. From there, place a bet, and if the first settled bet loses, Bet America will reward players bonus funds in the amount of the losing bet up to $1,000. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See the website for details. And joining me on today's show to drop some knowledge on NFL Week 14 is Adam Chernoff. But first, let's do a recap of the good and bad from last week. And there's also some good nuggets that I learned that can help you on your sports betting journey. Let's start with the good. He was smiling at how money I was. The Big Mick bet of the week won again. I see they got the Big Mac. I got the Big Mick. Taking my record to 8-2 and two on the season. The only game that had us sweating was Michigan State, who snuck by Maryland. In this season of thanks, consider me thankful to not have to bet on Michigan State again. They have been atrocious to root for. I've said this in previous weeks, but I really want to hammer this home this week. There's a much safer opportunity to create money line parlays with big favorites in college football than in the NFL. We saw both the Eagles and the Panthers lose as monster favorites. I even saw the 49ers linemen talking about this on a pregame show. They said that they need to show up every game because every team in the NFL is capable of losing. I don't feel like that's the case with the college football as the talent disparity can be so large. Also on the good side was the Broncos covering as my uncomfortable bet of the week. Oh, the Denver Broncos. But I guess I need to rephrase this. I'd like to thank the Chargers for not covering as they found a way to choke away the game in spectacular fashion like only the Chargers can. Our pets' heads are falling off! The NFL can have elements of randomness that leave you scratching your head. However, with some teams like the Chargers, Bucks, Falcons, and even the Dolphins, that's something that you can bet against. It also makes it more fun when you're on the right side of an epic collapse. And speaking of epic collapses, let's get to the bad. And the worst beat of the weekend was for those of us who were on Ole Miss, who lost because the wide receiver who scored the touchdown decided to do a dog taking a piss touchdown celebration, which caused a 15-yard penalty, and the kicker promptly missed the kick. Boo this man! What drove me nuts about this is that I had Ole Miss money line. I saw the line at plus one and a half and said, you know what, that number is so small, I might as well just take the money line. No way this comes in within one point. Little did I know that I would lose because of one of the dumbest plays in sports betting history. And keeping the dumb party going, also on Thanksgiving, I was on the Bears minus six and a half. I didn't like the Bears at minus two and a half, but for some reason, with the greatest show on turf on offense, I teased them up to six and a half, thinking that would be a great idea. But guess what? The Bears won by only four which would have covered the initial line, but not the teased up line. I regret to inform you that this sports better got too cute. 
I said for a few weeks that I wasn't ready to give up on the Bears, but I'm ready to take that back. Their defense got carved up by a no-name QB, and that is not acceptable, nor is the play of Maserati Mitch. I get that Mitch's numbers in the second half were better, but I cannot trust him. And as the season is ending, this is all about trust. Also in the bad category, what in the hell happened to the Philadelphia Eagles? Insert some Stephen A. Smith. How in the hell? Even though he likes to do that about the Cowboys. The Eagles were cruising in the second half with a 14-point lead against the Dolphins, only to give up 23 points to Fitzmagic. I had the Eagles in a tease with the Cardinals, who equally crapped the bed. Woof. Even worse than the Eagles and Cardinals, if that's possible, was the Jaguars. I selected the Bucks as my pick-a-loser because of their randomness, and that bet was pretty much a loser for me immediately, as Nick Foles was allergic to the ball and kept turning it over. That brings us to 4-1-1 one one on the season four. Pick a loser. Oh, what a loser! And what I want to end with is two things that I took advantage of that can help you moving forward. The first one is with live betting. I didn't have any initial action on the Ohio State minus nine and a half versus Michigan tilt. My mindset going in was that I wanted to be on Ohio State, but I didn't want to lay that big of a number. In what was a perfect opportunity, Michigan got the ball first, marched down the field, and scored. In live betting, that drove the number down to minus four and a half, which I pounced on. Ohio State promptly marched down the field and scored, setting the line up to nine and a half. And after that, they were off to the races. What I want you to be aware of is opportunities like this where you want to be on the favorite, but you want to get a better number. Look for teams who might struggle in the first quarter, but are better the rest of the game. Or you could also look for instances in which the dog gets the ball first, preferably at home, and has an opportunity to score. Woo! The last nugget I want to share is taking weather into consideration. This is something that I was able to do in the Air Force versus Wyoming game, which had cold and 25-mile-an-hour winds. The total was an already low 41-and-a-half, and I took the under. The thing that did it for me was the strong winds which can mess with any aspect of the game. So remember, it's not just precipitation that matters. Look at the wind because that'll really change the potential outcome of the game. All right, you guys, let's listen up. Before we get to the games, from our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's Sharp 25 for 25% off any product. News team, assemble! And joining me to help you be a more informed better for NFL Week 14 action is Adam Chernoff. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Chernoff. Adam, great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Let's, let's get her going. So let's get to, we've got several high profile games. Let's start in Buffalo. The Bills, six point home dogs taking on Baltimore. The Bills have covered five straight. They're eight, three and one against the spread on the season and four, oh, and one as an underdog. 
The Ravens on the flip side, surprisingly just six and six against the spread on the season, but three and one as an away favorite, but just four and five as a favorite. So for me, typically, when a team has a big win, I'm looking to fade them the following week, which would be for the Bills. But on the flip side with the Ravens, when is there going to be an opportunity for them to slip up? Because when everything's always going great, we think it'll last forever, but it always doesn't. It's not going to be this week. And I think that number certainly reflects that to an extent. A lot of people obviously sitting on their couch Thanksgiving, watching that game with friends and family, they see the Bills put up a phenomenal performance against the Dallas Cowboys. But what they probably didn't realize, this is still one of the worst run-stopping units in the entire NFL. And when Dallas put forth their correct game plan in the first quarter, uh, they were averaging more than 5.5 yards per carry and able to move the ball however they wanted. Now, obviously, Baltimore, the most run-heavy team in the NFL, it's what they it's very difficult to defend and it's very difficult to game plan for as well as McDermott's been doing. He doesn't have the personnel to match up with Baltimore. So the point spread's high on this game, rightfully so. The Bills 30th in terms of rushing success rate defense, and that's been against the easiest schedule of opponents to this point. It's an enormous step up for them against the Baltimore Ravens. I think this can get pretty ugly in a hurry. Uh, if you find five and a half still worth a wager with Baltimore, even at six, I'd look at it too. For me right now, this is a pass. My wife is from Buffalo. I was in Buffalo okay. for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so this household does not take lightly betting against the Bills in the playoff race. So moving on to the next game, we got the Saints laying three at home, taking on the 49ers. Saints eight and four against a spread on the season, but just two and three against a spread as a home favorite. The Saints are also coming in with a little extra rest. 49ers, 7-4-1 against a the spread. They've covered three straight. They're 4-0 as a dog and 4-0 as an away dog. And I'll ask you this. Which of these two teams has impressed you more this season? Yeah, okay, I, I can answer that two ways. So overall, San Francisco. But I'm impressed with how well New Orleans has been able to fare with how dead of an arm Drew Brees has. And it's becoming very apparent that these deep balls down the field are a big challenge for him. And he just doesn't have that arm strength anymore. One hopping receivers, throwing everything short, under throwing deep routes. So they've really been able to change their offense a lot on the fly in order to suit that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for them because they have the pieces to adjust. Uh, but you look at them matched up against San Francisco, and it's going to be really difficult considering it's the most difficult secondary that they've faced this entire season. San Francisco stayed out east for a full week of extra prep. They didn't go back home to San Francisco, so they're not dealing with the travel. They're clearly focused on this game. Open three and a half within 35 seconds was down to a flat three at the sports books that matter, and now it's already to two and a half. So plenty of influential money on San Francisco, rightfully so, because they are the more impressive team out of these two, and that number is starting to certainly reflect that. Any concern about back-to-back -back big weeks for San Francisco, taking on Baltimore and then taking on the Saints, uh, both road games? No, I, I think they would normally be a spot where you have to think about that a bit, but they're handling it very well. Kind of like I said, they stayed out on the East Coast, uh, all the press conferences, post-game, everything that we're hearing from the, the conference calls from Shanahan and the team. Uh, very positive about staying out there, getting extra rest, getting extra focus for this game. So it's a huge game for them with the seeding in the NFC, obviously dropping to fifth yesterday after the Seattle win. Um, so they're completely focused on this game. I Just how they match up and what they're able to put forward, I would expect a big game from San Francisco.
this is a game where I considered the 49ers in a teaser bucket because getting them up to nine does seem very attractive. So last game that is big time here. We got New England minus three at home taking on Kansas City and the Chiefs are coming off a blow off win, blow out win over the Raiders. On the flip side, the Patriots are coming off a loss. And I don't remember what the number is, but it's like Bill Belichick coming off a loss is like a million an hour, some number like that. The Patriots won both matchups versus the Chiefs last year. So there's actually a, uh, a good uh, tweet that someone sent in because uh, I'm always reluctant to, to bet against the Patriots because you traditionally don't get rich betting against the Patriots. But, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the guy's name, said, well, typically in sports betting, and we talk about it, there's regression to the mean. And that happens often. And is that going to happen to the Patriots? Because we've seen them stumble a little bit against the spread. Most recently, just one in three against the spread their last four, averaging just 18 points per game. Well, if you're trying to time a 20-year sort of rolling stat for when it's going to regress in a specific week, I think that that's a pretty high level of being misinformed for thinking that way. So that's certainly a really good way to lose money quickly. And I think this matchup is just important to look at what's going on in the field and what offensive game plan you believe the Patriots can put together. Last year, they won both of those matches. And if you look back at those games, you rewatch them when Brady had to take the field in both of the late drives, either in overtime or late in the fourth quarter in the regular season game, there was no concern whatsoever from him because he knew that they couldn't attack this chief's weakness, which is on the ground right up the middle and with running back passes. And they could get whatever look they wanted offensively. We haven't seen them execute that game plan yet this season. However, against the Houston Texans, who were playing with six defensive backs for the majority of the game, they finally switched to it in the second half on Sunday night football. So there was obviously clear frustration with the receivers uh, coming from Brady, but he was able to get things going with James White. And this offense looked a little bit more like we're used to it looking. This number just really suggesting that the Chiefs are slightly better overall if we just take home field out of the equation, which matches up well against my ratings. I have Kansas City number one in the NFL. I've got New England number two, and I have Kansas City by just a small margin. So I think it's right what we're seeing here with the number of three, and we're seeing any time that it's come off of the three or anything's changed as far as movement-wise getting down to even money or to minus 120 there's been buyback the other way. So really good from a side perspective here. I think the total is pretty well set too. So really difficult game to get into, but it just comes down to what offensive performance you think New England can put forth for four quarters. And this is another game like the San Francisco one where you say, huh, why don't I just tease Kansas City up to plus nine? Because when you're looking at it, if you were to say, I can get this the 49ers plus nine and the Chiefs plus nine, two of what are arguably the top four teams in the NFL. But I've learned long enough when something seems so easy like that, it is not always the case. So it gives me a quick little red flag. What are your thoughts on something like that as we transition to the six-point teaser? Well, if you're going to just play basic strategy teasers, which is the most profitable way to look at it, really the only time you're going to get a two-leg teaser that presents any positive expected value, you want to be teasing through the three and the seven or back through the seven and the three. So you, if you're teasing off of the three with get this game as a Patriots three-point favorite, uh, you're giving up a lot of value there with the importance of three worth about 10.5% overall. 
in terms of importance of point spread numbers. So teasing off of the three, far less profitable than teasing through it. But I think from just the handicapping perspective and how I have these two teams rated, just because the number is so close, it's really not a teaser leg that I would be running towards backing. Uh, but I certainly, if I had to make a case for any teaser from that game, uh, absolutely looking for the Kansas City Chiefs. So with that in mind, here's my six-point teaser. And the first one, Indianapolis three-point road dog. I'm going to tease them up to nine. And this is mainly a play against Tampa. Tampa's covered two in a row. But here's the thing. They're 0-3 as a home favorite. Indy 3-1 and as a road dog. And Tampa's one of those teams you just can't trust. They have such a high degree of variability. Indy's not very sexy right now, but they're still in the playoff hunt and they have a lot to play for. So give me Indy up to nine. And then my other one, Denver right now is at plus nine. Give me tease them up to plus 15. This is a playoff Houston coming off a huge win over the Patriots. That number is going to continue to get up. So for me, I'm going to be looking to play this as late as possible as I assume that more people are going to be on Houston. Maybe that number gets driven up to 10 and I can get an extra point there. And I love that this crosses the key number up to 15. So for me, give me Indy plus nine and Denver plus 15. Any thoughts? I think Indy win that, wins that game outright. So you're going to tease it up. I don't know if you'll need the points, but I think that's going to be a comfortable leg for you. Uh, Houston-Denver could make you sweat a little bit. Uh, I think that that could oh, potentially yeah. get a little bit ugly for Denver. But um, I really like that Indy look that you have. There. And what about you? Do you have a six-point teaser you want to throw out? It depends when you're listening to this. If you can get the Rams at one and a half up to seven and a half, then that's certainly the leg you want to look for this week because they're, I think they're going to win pretty comfortably against Seattle at home on Sunday night football. Um, and I would pair that with the Arizona Cardinals, taking that up from two and a half through the three and the seven. Uh, you can get them up to eight and a half. So Cardinals, Rams, really good look. If that Rams number moves and you can't tease it through the three and the seven up to seven and a half, uh, then take the Cleveland Browns down from eight and a half uh, to two and a half below the three. Which is a fantastic segue to pick a loser where our goal is to identify a losing bet. And doing this helps with our contrarian mindset because we always want to pick winners. But picking losers is a different way to think about this. And I had a big challenge this week in trying to figure out who my loser was going to be. My default process is always, all right, I want it to be a favorite because dogs have been barking this year. Um, and I was significantly, my principles, I would rather be getting points than laying points. And when looking at it, for me, my pick a loser, Cleveland minus eight and a half. Okay. And this is something that the Bengals are four and one as an away dog. I like them better with Dalton. Uh, I'm not sure mentally what's going on with Cleveland coming off this deflating loss to Pittsburgh. It's something that I had the under on the Browns season win total. I've been against the Browns all season. By no means do I feel comfortable about this because this is not a ringing endorsement for the Cincinnati Bengals. So we might as well just throw in, this is a get comfortable being uncomfortable bet. But for me, I don't trust Cleveland. And when I look at picking a loser, it comes down to trust Cleveland minus eight and a half. Okay. That, that could be a sweat for you as well on Sunday. I, oh I, yeah. Um, if I have to, I guess picking a, I'll just go opposite of one game that I think is going to win. Um, pick a loser. That's a difficult way to think. Um, I, the Buffalo bills, 
I think that game gets ugly in a hurry and Baltimore can pretty comfortably exploit that matchup that they have moving the football. Uh, Buffalo just doesn't have the pieces on defense to scheme towards defending this, this set that Baltimore runs, especially when they go into heavy personnel. So I think that gets ugly for Buffalo. Uh, Baltimore can win that by double digits. Okay, to do a quick recap on my end, six-point teaser, Indy plus nine in Denver, plus 15, even though I will be hoping to get that up to plus 16. And my pick-a-loser is the Cleveland Browns, minus eight and a half. Adam, do you want to recap yours or any other picks that you wanted to give out? Sure. So the the pick-a-loser was, I guess, bet on Baltimore at minus five and a half. And then for the teaser, if you can get the Rams to seven and a half, then Rams with Cardinals, if you can't get the Rams up to seven and a half, then Cardinals with the Browns, just depending on what numbers you have. Adam, I enjoy jamming with you. Where can everybody connect with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Chernoff or on the daily podcast, The Simple Handicap on iTunes and Spotify. And I want to hear from you. What is your six-point teaser, uncomfortable bet of the week, or pick a loser? You can hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy, and make sure to use hashtag Sharp600 and be part of our community, and also make sure to tag at covers. And I've been loving the reviews and ratings that are be given on iTunes, and I wanted to give a shout-out to Sham4444, who gave us five stars and said, enjoy the action. I don't need someone to tell me what sides to pick. I can pick losers by myself. Ain't, ain't that the truth? <laughs> what I need is something that makes sports wagering more fun, and this show has it. Great guests like Adam, sharp angles, presented in a way that makes you a more well-rounded gambler and enjoy the action more. And remember, don't be a square with your bankroll. Sham4444, I very much appreciate your thoughts and being part of our community. I very much appreciate you. Also, make sure to check into Bet America for the $1,000 risk-free bets. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The book of the devil hits you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. If you like the way the sound pump, pump it in your back trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.